Tappers, what's up? It is the Wednesday edition of the Daily Tap. Hope you're doing well. We have a great show today, a big show today for Wednesday. Bucks Hawks tonight, game one. We will not necessarily be talking about the game itself, maybe a little bit at the end of our first segment. Uh, we're going to talk about heartbreak because Atlanta slash Georgia, Wisconsin slash Milwaukee has dealt with a lot of it in sports, and we will introduce the heartbreak index and know who is the more heartbroken fan base. Uh, it's fun. We'll get in our feels a little bit. We, we will look back, um, but it's there's some fascinating results with this. Um, I had a lot of fun putting this together. I spent way too much time doing this last night, um, nerding out about different results and box scores, and truly had fun. Like I had a great time doing it. It's just I was like, ah, I don't, I didn't have that much time. And I, when I got done, it was like 11:30 and whatever. Not here to make an excuse. Uh, Greg Gard would not like that. <laughs> We're gonna talk about Greg Gard uh, in our second segment. Um, we'll talk about why Greg needs to adapt or die. Um, not necessarily die. It's a phrase, if you will. I'm not saying he will actually die. More so saying he needs to adapt or probably get fired. So why Greg Gard needs to. Um, the whole situation with that Badger thing is wild. Um, it will go away. Um, good things for the Badgers that the Bucks are playing or else it would be the topic of conversation in local radio for probably a few days, honestly. And then we'll talk about Freddie Peralta, A, his performance, but B, the ridiculousness of Major League Baseball, which was on full display last night. And if it wasn't for the NBA refs tripping over their own dick, I think MLB would have been at the forefront. But I think you're still going to have uh, everybody be mad about the NBA officiating last night. Now, granted, Phoenix Suns won, which I think makes it better. Uh, but the, the the officiating was awful last night in the NBA Game 2 uh, with the Suns now up 2-0 as well. But let's start with the Milwaukee Bucks and the Atlanta Hawks. So they get ready to go tonight, 7.30. Marv Albert, I'm sure what Marv was thinking about as he's like in his last career I get to call Bucks Hawks to finish off my illustrious career in a weird way. That's a ball don't lie for Marv Albert, kind of being a creep throughout his life and kind of getting a reclamation project, even though Marv probably didn't deserve it. And I think in 2000s or even in the internet era, let's just say, I don't think Marv would have got the same reclamation project. Project, but who knows? It's here nor there. These two states. Georgia, Wisconsin have had a lot of heartbreak in their sports, um, and they've had a, they've endured a lot throughout the years. Um, the last time Atlanta got a championship for any of their major sports, not including the Atlanta United, sorry, soccer fans, it was 1995 with the Atlanta Braves uh, beating the Cleveland Indians after the strikes shortened 1994 season. The last time that Wisconsin won a championship was 2010 with the Green Bay Packers, as a lot of you know. But both teams have got there. Both teams have sniffed it many a times and have fallen flat on their face. Atlanta, I think, in Georgia for the most part, because Georgia football has had some bad ones. I forgot how many, and we'll talk about that in a second here. Um at Georgia Atlanta have had a lot of heartbreak and have had a lot of issues. And here in Wisconsin, we talk about 
our personal heartbreak and what we've dealt with with the Green Bay Packers, Wisconsin Badger basketball team. I think there are some Badger football moments where you look back and you're like, if you just would have won one game, you would have made the playoff or you would have got there. Or the undefeated year, obviously, where they lose to Ohio State. Now, granted, they weren't really in that game. And I and then, so I asked the a Reddit community that I'm a part of, I said, hey, do you define a heartbreak, like even if it's a blowout, is it still a quote-unquote heartbreak? And they say, well, yeah, because you, you, you have a chance. Like, you still have a chance. Like, even though the odds are against you, like take the Atlanta Falcons in 1998 against the Denver Broncos when I got to the Super Bowl, there's still a Falcons fan in 98, like, well, we could do it. Like, we could, we could stun the world. Like, who knows? Maybe, maybe everything breaks right for us and we end up finding our way into winning the Super Bowl here. Because that's just what happens. It's fandom. You become optimistic. It's like me when the Green Bay Packers had like nobody and were put together by sticks and twigs facing the Atlanta Falcons, coincidentally enough, and thinking, oh, maybe they can just beat the Falcons. Maybe they can finally figure out the Falcons and they can get it done and this this will all make sense. It didn't. They got blown out. And the Green Bay, Atlanta, or the Wisconsin, Georgia, I guess, history I think it's been more one-sided and we don't have the you know Milwaukee Braves moved to Atlanta there's that we have the Brett Favre got traded from the Falcons to the Packers which is a massive one for Green Bay um, we have the Bucks Hawks played in a game they went seven and the Hawks won in in game seven in 2010 in the first round we had, let's see, what else? Is there any other notable things in terms of that? Wisconsin, I know Georgia has beat Wisconsin, I think, twice in a bowl game um, in the last 30 years. Um, so you have a few things, um, but it's not necessarily a deep state rivalry. I don't think anyone has animosity towards the state of Georgia, but I'm sure as Trey Young goes on, I'm sure that animosity will grow. Let's get to the heart, heartbreak index. So how I did this, how I put this together was you were awarded a certain point value for each thing. So how it started was it would be one point for getting eliminated in a quote unquote divisional series, two points for getting eliminated in the championship, three points for getting eliminated in the finale. So your Super Bowl, your uh, national championship game, you know, something like that. Four points for an all-time collapse or just a complete heartbreak. Minus five points for winning a championship. I also took off a half point for losing in like the Sweet 16 for a college basketball team. And I took off uh, three-fourths of a point for losing in the Elite Eight. Because if you think about it, championship. I Actually, yeah, I could have done one for the, the final, the Elite Eight, but that's okay. Here nor there, because the Elite Eight is kind of the divisional series of uh, of basketball, but that's fine. It's okay. We don't need to go back retroactively. It'll be it'll be okay. Um, the teams that we included were the baseball teams, so the Braves and Brewers, the basketball teams, Bucks Hawks, uh, the football teams, the Packers and the Falcons, and then college we included Georgia football and basketball, Wisconsin football and basketball, Marquette basketball and Georgia Tech football and basketball. So looking at the 90s to start, so we started, like I said, 1990. 
really what the story of the 90s are for Georgia is the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves had so much heartbreak. They went to multiple World Series. They had some massive World Series losses. I forgot about 96 where the Braves, you know, they were... It was 96. They were playing the New York Yankees. They had a 2-0 lead. They're trying to go back to back, and then they lose four straight games. And they lose four straight games. They blow a lead in the four in game number four, where they could have went up three one. They had a six three lead, and they just blew that. And the Braves were a mess. So the fact that the Braves scored fourteen points on the heartbreak index, despite winning a championship, they won a championship, and they still scored fourteen points. Now there were some Falcons things with you know losing in the. Uh, the Super Bowl, as I mentioned, you also had the Atlanta Hawks lose in a divisional series a few times. But let me tell you, when the Hawks lost, they fucking lost. Like, they have flamed out. They haven't really had a lot of dramatic heartbreak series. You could argue that 2021 has been the first example of the Hawks sort of being this team of maybe heartbreak right like you could have had the heartbreak the the hawks might be immune to the atlanta georgia heartbreak index uh as for georgia football they didn't have much uh just a couple little points they had one year where they could have potentially made the college football play or the national championship it was bcs at the time and they lost to rival florida um and they it was a bad loss if you will because they they had a clean sheet the rest of the way. Georgia Tech football won a national championship in 1990. I don't think enough people talk about Georgia Tech winning a football championship in 1990. That That is completely wild to me. Um, nothing really from the basketball teams. Just a few Sweet 16 losses um, in the 90s. So then from a Wisconsin perspective, Wisconsin's 90s were not that great. I mean, you had the Packers. And so, and this is 90 to 2010. So you have two championships in here. Did the Packers have some moments where moments of heartbreak? Sure. Um, 2007, I would say, is a all-time heartbreak. Your Brett Favre year. Could be Favre's last year. You're at home. You're playing the New York Giants. And you lose that one. It's definitely something worth talking about. Green Bay did also lose to the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl. Looking back at that game, I thought, oh, that was a collapse because of prevent defense. It really wasn't that collapsy of a game. Uh, in fact, it would have been a bigger collapse if Denver lost because they had to lead the entire game. Packers came back late, and then they weren't able to stop John Elway in, in, in a final two-minute drill, and John Elway was one of the best to ever do it in that. And they had two championships, so that helps with the index, right? The Bucks really only had the 2001 season. The Brewers had a clean sheet. Yeah, they made the playoffs in 2008, but that was about it. And that wasn't a... They didn't even get to the divisional series. They were swept right out of town by the Phillies team who won the World Series that year. Badger football had a few moments where I count... Oh, I should have added this into the divisional series. I also counted like a bad regular season loss that had playoff implications because it's kind of hard with... Football, you don't necessarily have that te- that tier. Once we have the 12-team playoff, we'll be able to definitely ramp up this heartbreak index. But yeah, so there were moments in 1999, 2006, and 2010 where the Badgers had a key opportunity that could have potentially made them into the playoffs. Badger basketball, you know, they lost in the Final Four. 
They also had some Sweet 16 losses as well as some Elite 8 losses during that time. But nothing I think you could really quantify as a heartbreak. Nothing that really kind of tugs at your heartstrings. I think same really goes for Marquette. You know, obviously lost in the Final Four, uh, but nothing really. But it was a little more across the board. And overall was scored a 19.75. Georgia scored a 31 and a half for those first 20 years. But in the last decade, it's really been about Wisconsin. And so that's where it makes you nervous. And I know that's where fans look at it like that. The Packers have scored a point in almost every year that we did this. The only years they didn't score a point were 2018, 2013, and and 2017. So three out of the last 10 years, the Packers haven't had some heartbreaking quote-unquote loss. And one all-time collapse in 2014. We don't need to resurface that. So yes, it has been a rough decade for Packer fans. Really since that championship, it has kind of been all downhill. Shout out to Newfound Glory. The Bucs also had a little bit of heartbreak, obviously, with their their loss to the Toronto Raptors. I think you know they were close to being up 3-0. It's a triple overtime game. The Raptors win that game, and then it all goes downhill from there. Then the Milwaukee Brewers got into the mix playoff-wise, but they've never really done anything that really quantifies a heartbreak, if you will. I don't think that what the Brewers have had happen to them is really heartbreaking. I guess the Trent Gresham game, but that was not necessarily a, a... I noted it, so I did score a point there because it was just one of those games where you're like, oh my God, that was losing in heartbreaking fashion so maybe that was unfair that i shouldn't have scored that but whatever badgers have had a couple just games where it's fallen apart the badger basketball team has definitely had the some of the most heartbreaking stuff i mean 2014 they lose it at the final minute in the final four 2015 they have a nine point lead in the national championship game and it goes to hell those two are definitely hard to come back from. Uh, the Badgers scored 10 overall um, and not great. Marquette a couple, but Marquette hasn't done anything heartbreaking since 2012. And some people will say, well, that's a pure indication of Steve Wojciechowski. So 36.25 was what was scored for the heartbreak index of the last 10 years. For, the, for Atlanta, for Georgia, Really, the team actually, even though the Falcons have 28 to 3, which, you know, maybe that should be even scored as a 5, um, it's a 7 uh, overall for the Falcons. Falcons haven't had a ton of heartbreaks since then. They lost in the divisional round the following year, and they haven't been to the playoffs or haven't really sniffed like deep into the playoffs since then. The Hawks have had nothing. Uh, we'll see if they get added to the list. The Braves, after, you know, they had such a massive you know, collapse, whatever, they really haven't been much uh, besides losing in Game 7 to the Los Angeles Dodgers last year on a Cody Bellinger home run. Definitely, but I would not really qualify it as like an all-time collapse. The team that kind of gets not mentioned is Georgia. So Georgia was in the, they had a lead in the national championship game against Alabama, and Alabama pulls the Tua Tagliavoa card and beats them down the stretch. They had a 20-7 lead. Then the following year, they get into the SEC championship game. They have a chance to shock the world against Alabama. 
They get this rematch. They have a lead. And again, down the stretch. But this time, it's Jalen Hurts who started that game. And he beats them. So Georgia in 2012 was another Alabama thorn in their side game against Georgia where they won in the last second, where Georgia got out to a lead and then they could not close. So that is wild. The basketball teams gave them absolutely nothing. They they did nothing really through the last 10 years. So Georgia only scores as a 25. But what's fascinating here is in total, Georgia finishes with a 56 and a half on the misery index or the heartbreak index, excuse me, not the misery index. Wisconsin, 56. So in a way, these two are heartbreak brothers. They, they are almost meant to be together, if you will, with the heartbreak. And the heartbreak here is real for both. It is, it, it, it's a worthwhile conversation. I think that there's been no state that has had as much heartbreak as, a, as Georgia compared to Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin's recent run has been almost unparalleled. But I've argued, and I've, I'll say it again, if you're good, you're going to have heartbreak moments because the Packers have been so good. The Badger basketball team was really good in that stretch. Um, you're going to have more moments of heartbreak, and that's kind of what you're seeing on display. As for the game tonight, I, I don't really know what to expect, I'll be honest. I mean, the, the Milwaukee Bucks have had four days off since Game 7. I think there is going to be a little bit of a fatigue. I think it helps that they're at home. I think the fans will sort of cure that fatigue. I think maybe you'll see it a little bit early, but I don't think you'll see a tightness from the Bucks. I think you'll actually see more of a tightness from the Hawks. I could actually see this getting out of hand. That to me is what I expect. I would say I more expect a blowout from the Bucks than I do a close game or a Hawks win. I would say if I had to rank them, I would say blowout, close Bucks win, and a Hawks win would be in the order. Um, I know the Hawks have stolen some game ones, but I, I kind of expect the Bucks to be ready ready for this one. I think the Bucks a will see this as I don't, I don't want to say easier, but they will see this differently than they did the Brooklyn Nets series. It just will have a different feel. It, it's hard to explain, but that to me was the NBA Finals, and everything else will get easier for them. For the Hawks, I actually think it'll get harder. Remember, as I mentioned yesterday, they were two comebacks away from being out three out four one and being done in five games this they don't the bucks may have some stagnant offense but they don't have the sixers fourth quarter offense they just don't so uh, that will be a rude awakening they also play the knicks offense everyone wants to hype up the hawks right now you gotta look at who they played they really have not played anyone to brooklyn's caliber milwaukee played the best the second best team maybe or the best team in the Eastern Conference, and they beat them to- and went toe to toe. So that's why I think there is a little bit of a, oh yeah, that's right, the Hawks. People, some people I think after Wednesday will be like, oh yeah, that's right, the Hawks haven't played the, uh, they haven't played the creme de la creme of of the Eastern Conference in the NBA. So we'll see what happens. We'll obviously be here tomorrow to react to it. We'll see what goes on. If for those who are curious. I'm not going to Brown House tonight. I'll be there Friday. Uh, just, you know, I I needed, <laughs> I'll be honest, I, I it was it would have been a lot for me to pull off a Wednesday night out of the bar. If I was like in walking distance, which I kind of am, I, I mean, I could walk, 
But if I was in like very much like I could just pop over to the bar, maybe I would go. But I, I'm not, so I'm, I'm not gonna make the trek down. You guys have fun. I know Mitch might show up for pregame. He's actually going to the game, so that was part of the reason why I didn't I didn't go because I would have been Glansburg and uh, no one else was really around. So I'm I'm gonna be sitting at home watching it. We will be back Friday though. Friday I guarantee. Sunday no, and then Tuesday if it's clinch time maybe. Um, I, I usually don't go out on Tuesday, but if it's clinch time, potentially. And I think there's a real opportunity. But I've predicted Bucks and five. I think that's what, what will end up being. I think they're they're going to take it and win this one in five games. Moving on to the Wisconsin Badgers. So the Badgers were in the news yesterday. Uh, Greg Gard, uh, an audio tape was released of a private conversation with the seniors of last year's team. And basically the seniors expressing all their frustrations with Greg Gard. And that Greg Gard does not really look out for them. That he's just building his resume. That he is not really empathetic. um, That there's a lot of finger pointing. And just basically gave us an insight of what went wrong with the Wisconsin Badgers last year. Remember, the Wisconsin Badgers were a top five preseason team. They never really got back to that. They finished as a nine seed, or they ended up getting a nine seed in the NCAA tournament. Then they blew out Carolina, and then they got blown out themselves by Baylor. And so it kind of encapsulated the season. You always kind of felt like something was a little off with Wisconsin this year. You didn't know if it was pandemic-related. You don't know if it was just their mix of guys, if it was just too much Brad Davidson, whatever it was. And it clearly was the seniors had real issue with Greg Gard. And it was interesting to hear the notes about how we thought you changed after Kobe King, which might give us some insight on why Kobe King left, is that they thought that Greg Gard had turned the corner and they all rallied behind Kobe King's departure. And it seems like Greg Gard had a personality change and then he went back to his old ways. It's not hard for a coach to do that. Old habits die hard. Um, Coaches do that all the time. Now, before I get into where I think Wisconsin and Greg Gard go from here, um, I I do want to point out that this is bullshit that it's out there. I'm not a Badger basketball fan, but the fact of the matter is, is that you are in your locker room. You should not be taped. That is just weak fucking shit. And whoever did it should be embarrassed. Um, That, to me, is is not something that I take lightly. Um, I... I would say I'm an advocate for privacy, and when privacy like this gets violated, it leaves me with a real creepy feeling. I have to talk about it because it's one of the bigger stories here in Wisconsin today, and it probably will be for the week. But at the same token, it's really tough for me to be like, oh yeah, like everything should be recorded. Absolutely not. Like Greg Gard should be able to speak freely. These players should be able to speak freely. The fact that Brad Davidson's name was mentioned there and Davidson's still coaching for Gard. Now Davidson had a nice comment to Jim Polzine who did the reporting on this. Um, so I don't think there's any sort of troubled issue with Davidson and Gard. In fact, I think Gard likes Davidson more than he probably should. And Davidson probably shouldn't start next year and he should come off the bench. But I guarantee you Davidson will start. Um, And I know some Badger fans push back on that. 
but I just don't think Davidson is a 2021 player. I think he's more of the mold of the last decade than this decade. But that's here and there. Um, as for what Greg Gard needs to do, Greg Gard needs to adapt or he's going to get fired. Simply put, Greg Gard is, cannot have a sort of approach of this hard ass and this sort of lack of empathy guy. It, it works for you know some of the legends of the game, but they are legends. Greg Gard hasn't done shit. He took over for Bo Ryan. That's it. Greg Gard has not really done well the last few years. I know that the pandemic inter- interrupted a potential awesome run in 2019-2020, but there's no evidence of it. You don't know that. You just know they got hot late. So what does that mean? Could they have... You know, got hot and then peaked at the wrong time and then lose in the second round? Very possible. Because they got to the final four in a wide open year in 2020? Yeah, absolutely. But we don't know. We don't have that data. That date, those data, that data point does not exist. So Greg Gard needs to figure out either two ways. He can adapt and he can say, all right, you know what? I need to be a little more of a player's coach. I need to listen to my guys. I need to talk to my guys. I don't I don't need to be as stuffy and I, I can learn from this and try to basically rework the culture of Wisconsin that is feeling lost, even though there's a lot of pushback, which I do want to touch on the pushback a little bit. Then there's the other side of where it's like, well, he could get fired. And it's like, well, how does he get fired when everybody seems to be supporting him? Well, they're supporting him now. If the, the lack of success continues after Wisconsin has established themselves as a basketball powerhouse, that to me is not going to get it done. They'll allow it for a few years. Wisconsin doesn't really fire guys. If anything, I think they would do Greg Gard at least a little bit of justice and say, hey, can you just step down? We don't, we, we don't want to fire you. Please don't make us fire you. Just step down from your posts. Say you need to spend more time with your family. Do whatever you need to do, but step down and we'll hire somebody else. But Wisconsin will let it fester for three or four years. They'll let it fester for a recruiting cycle, honestly. And it takes a lot for a coach to get fired. Ask Doug McDermott, right? I don't think this is a fireable offense. Rather, I think it's a guy who just needs to figure out what the modern day basketball player is. And it's not surprising that he, to hear this from Greg Gard or to hear this from players after his comments about transfers. Now, I know they got transfers, which is maybe the more most hypocritical thing, where Greg Gard was ardent against it and said, oh, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Greg Gard, to me, is a massive hypocrite in that regard. It was like, well, I do think that, but I'm going to be able to get transfers myself. So Greg Gard can sit on his hands and not do anything different. And if Wisconsin continues to struggle, if teams continue to burn out with guard, then basically he'll have two or three years before everybody sort of jumps ship and is like, well, this guy is obviously not what we want and we need to move on. We need to find somebody else who sort of fits a better culture and who sort of brings everybody together. Guard should have, as someone pointed out to me, um, said, Guard should have said, like, hey, thank you for your honesty. And I really appreciate the honesty of the players. They could have came to me and 
said these things. Uh, we have an open po- open door policy. They should be able to you know express themselves. I'm really sorry that they don't feel a part of this university. We will definitely do what we can to bring them back into the fold when the time is right. That's that should have been the statement. Instead, the statement was talking about how he how he coaches and it was long and basically saying I'm not changing and kind of the wolf of Wall Street, I'm not leaving GIF. That to me was the Greg Gard statement in a nutshell. And Barry Alvarez threw his support behind him. Sam Decker came out in full throated support. Ben Brust on local radio here in Milwaukee and Madison said this senior group was the softest bunch that he had seen. So everybody basically is excusing guards' behavior. And again, it's not like fireable offense behavior. It's not. There's nothing wrong with Greg Gard's behavior. But basically, Wisconsin, the fan base, the AD, is telling him, the former players are telling him, no, it's okay. It's okay that you're doing this. But I'll tell you right now, those people do not mean shit for future results because you do have to get recruits in. Now, Greg Gard has done a great job getting in the Jonathan Davis of the world. I think Chucky Hadburn's going to be good. Um, the kid's name, the big guy, Matthew something uh, from Minnesota is supposed to be excellent as well. I apologize to Matthew. I think his last name is like Meltz or something. But regardless, they have dudes coming. Now, here's the big barometer now. It is, A, does Wisconsin revive themselves as a you know dominant basketball program? And B, do these guys stay? Do these guys not enter the transfer portal as you know guard you know railed against? Do none of these guys enter the transfer portal? If the second one happens, that is a major red flag. And then maybe, just maybe, we'll start seeing people say, yeah, I don't know. I, I'll be fascinated to watch this. It definitely puts a little fire under guard's ass. And just intrepid reporting by Jim Polzin. Um, and some people were like, why did you report this? Look, talk about it's a different era. Uh, Polzin took over for Tom Oates. I thought Tom Oates would basically fillet Barry Alvarez whenever he got a chance. Same with Jeff Patrikas. I think Badger journalism has been one of the more Homer-based uh, outlets in our state. And so the fact that Polzin just stepped up to the plate, two middle fingers, and went all in on this story and got as many quotes as possible, it was so well reported. So Jim deserves a ton of credit for this story because this story would not have made the made the papers um, two or three years ago. Let's move on to Freddie Peralta. So Freddie Peralta had a great start. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, and we'll also maybe mention the Vogelbach injury, which will be pretty important, I think, for the Brewers going forward. But first of all, Freddie Peralta was, had a gray glove. Uh, it was a light gray glove. He's played with that gray glove, I think, for the entire um, duration of the season. Um, and then... It was decided by the umpires who are checking everybody now for those sticky substances, if you will, that that was too light of a glove. And they took away Freddie Peralta's glove. And they made him have a new one. I thought, oh God, this is going to throw off Freddie. It didn't. He struck out 10. He only walked. He only gave up one hit. What's up? But the fact of the matter is, is that baseball cares about a fucking glove color 
is absolutely ridiculous. Are you kidding me? And I can't believe that Mickey Mouse shit we are going through with baseball. We had the Max Scherzer thing where he basically undressed and got into a fight with Joe Girardi who was ejected because Girardi kept accusing Scherzer or something. Now, the old school baseball people who, and Girardi has a lot of friends in the media, will be like, oh, he was, he was trying to get in his head. It's like, dude, it's Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer's unfazed. Max Scherzer's a terminator. Like, he does not get rattled. Like, and he was great, and they won. Uh, they, they stay hot. Um, the Nationals have been good. Sergio Romo basically undressed. Um, and, again, both made a mockery of this. Both are laughing at Rob Manfred. And Scherzer mentioned about the substances when it gets cold. He's like, how is anyone going to have any control? Which leads me to believe that the playoffs could be an absolute nightmare. And it it's just so ridiculous. And baseball looks so stupid. And Rob Manfred is going to get absolutely killed today. He's going to get killed all week. Those are three separate instances in one night. It's only going to get worse. It's not going to get better. I guess the only way it gets better is if Manfred's like, hey, you don't need to check every time. Just sort of keep an eye on things. And if you see something odd, like ask about it. Or if a team requests it, you can. But don't necessarily actively look. That would be the only way where this kind of gets better. But again, it's another loss for Rob Manfred. I thought it was really interesting. I didn't listen to the interview, but I thought it was really interesting to hear David Wells say, I haven't watched baseball since in two years, and I just don't watch it anymore. And I wonder if there are more people like that. I, I don't know. I Some people might not be as close to it, um, but baseball has definitely changed, and I don't know if everything is for the better. And you continue to see Rob Manfred fail and he is just one of the worst G commissioners to ever do it. Um, I know Roger Goodell's had some issues, but Roger Goodell at least has pushed the game forward. Um, Adam Silver, I think, has had his own issues, whether it's with China or with the fact that I don't think you can convince the common fan that the NBA is for the common fan because you have people like Stephen A. Smith taking shots at Milwaukee where it's really not promoting an inclusive basketball sort of community, right? It's like, oh, Stephen A just wants to go to Atlanta and LA. He doesn't want to go to fucking Milwaukee. Like, that's so terrible. Like, that was such a shitty comment by him. I blogged about that this morning. You can go read that. So don't tap WI. But Manfred just is the woke. Like, he is the worst of all time. There, There's no one worse than Rob. Every decision he makes seems to be the wrong one. Apparently, they have some big announcement today. I don't know what it's going to be. It was a big moon. I think it's a Field of Dreams game, if I have to guess. Uh, but yeah, this is just so stupid, man. And and Rob should be embarrassed. And definitely glad that Freddie Peralta's thing was just a light color glove versus having some substance on it. Because I could not really fathom having Freddie Peralta suspended for 10 games. As for Freddie, he was great in this one. Uh, struck out 10. He only allowed one hit. The Brewers have set a MLB record for most uh, most games pitched with one hit allowed by starters. And it's June 22nd, which is absolutely crazy for the Brewers. 
Uh, they get the offense going late. It was a one nothing Colton Wong uh, leadoff home run. And the Brewers then found some offense. Omar Narvaez knocks in Vogelbach. And then Luis Urias has a big two-run hit. Now when Narvaez uh, knocked in Vogelbach, he pulled up pretty hard on his hamstring. Uh, it's a serious injury. He'll be going on the DL. Really big loss for the Milwaukee Brewers. They were lacking power at that first base position. Now with Vogelbach gone, who knows where they go from here. Whether it's Keston Hira or Zach Green. As I mentioned, I think a couple weeks ago when we talked about Zach Green. Sneaky, not that great. Like He hits a lot of home runs, but that's about it. So you're like, oh, he's Dan Vogelbach, just skinnier and smaller. Yeah, maybe. Um, so we'll see if they call up Keston Hira or if it's still if they're still planning on an extended AAA visit for Keston. It would be an obvious fit to call up Keston Hira again, but we'll see if they want to give him more time. I think we'll know pretty soon here on what they plan to do. But that's a big loss for the Brewers' offense. Vogelbach had some moments um, in the last few weeks. So the Brewers, you know, now without Vogelbach, they've been at, without Lorenzo Kane for a while. So yeah, no Kane, no Vogelbach. That 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 kind of hurts. So you really at this point do not need any more injuries. It's been the story of the season, I think, really for the Brewers, despite being successful. Uh, they've they've definitely dealt with a ton of injuries. And to fit the narrative as the Brewers win, the Cubs also won, the uh, Cincinnati Reds also won. It just seems to happen that way. It's very weird. St. Louis Cardinals did lose again, though. Uh, so that they did get a game on the Cardinals, who continue to look pretty assy, if, you don't, if I don't say so myself. And that's you always love to see that. That'll do it for us. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Probably really heavy on game one. I doubt we'll talk about anything else. If there are some additional Greg Gard fallout, maybe a little bit at the end. But we'll basically do a game one recap uh, for the people tomorrow. All right, take care, guys. Have yourself a great Wednesday. Go Bucks, and we'll, uh, we'll be talking tomorrow. All right, bye.